Jared. Jared. Here we are. Um, yes. Our, our listeners will know that we've been dragging our feet. A little bit of dragging going on. Yeah. Dragging, 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 dragging. I've scuffed because... the soles of my shoes. Do you know that? I've scuffed some shoes. Have you scuffed some shoes? Have you, do you have diamonds on the soles of your shoes? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Um, can you, I mean, I, I think everyone will know why, but will you explain why we've been dragging? I, listen, it's, it's, it's been an unspoken thing be, between Jared and I, and maybe not such, such a secret with the fan base here, but like, I think we were kind of like a little bummed about hitting this last album. I think there was just this, we didn't say it out loud. We didn't plan to like have additional bonus pods, like in advance of this last album, but like we'd get down to it and I'd be like, uh, Jared, maybe we could do a top five list or yeah. <laughs> say the same. Yeah. Now we did have some scheduling stuff. Jared was legitimately out in Las Vegas, obviously for you folks who listen to the last pod. So yeah. you know, we've been busy doing things as well, but um, yeah, I think, I don't think it's untrue to say that we were a little bit, a little sad coming into this last pod. This last a little pod. sad, a yeah. little sad. And, and, and here we are um, to discuss Prince's final yep. studio album released in his lifetime. Hit and run phase two. Here's what I'm going to say right now. Yes. I can feel the tone is heavy. It's heavy. Yeah. We got to lighten it up. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to just like, I think this album, I know I'm getting Ahead of it. Ahead of it. Body drink. Is, um, <laughs> I'm going to insert or infuse into this uh, review. The infuse. joy. Yes. The joy. The yes. Absolute pure joy. Reach it. A good amount. And a good amount of this album, there was just pure, wonderful, 100% joy. Joy. In some of these tracks. We're going to emphasize that. We're going to talk about that because um, this is an interesting little um, album from 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 Prince. And Jared, you usually prompt me with this question, but I'll do I'll do the, you do you the favor. Do you, what when were you aware of this particular album? Do you recall this album coming out? Um, it par- obviously, it, it kind of paralleled with his passing. But um, what what do you recall from that? Well. I do recall. I mean, here's what's crazy to think is this was only eight years ago. Yeah. With this record came out. Yeah. Not super long ago. And I knew it was out. There was a lot of press about it, as we've talked about. But I have to tell you, in all honesty, that I wasn't really paying attention to it. You know, the last couple of records uh, had sort of slipped past me at that point. I was listening to other kinds of things. And. I think in the moment, I was just sort of passing, you know, just sort of, oh, oh, Prince has got a new record out. Oh, okay. Because, yeah. of course, you know, we didn't have any inkling that this would be the last one, of sure. course. Sure. So I didn't give it the attention it deserved in the moment it arrived. No, I hear That's that. That's I was. Yeah, and I think I was in a similar spot. You know, I did not listen to um, Hit and Run Phase 1 until we did the review of it. For this one... It came out, and I believe you'll come in up with facts and figures trademarked in just a little bit uh, with this release. The um, there was a couple singles that pr- that came out pre pre release of the album. Correct. So to be honest with you, I didn't like it. They didn't blow my socks off, so I wasn't like, oh, oh man, this album. 
So I just wasn't thinking about it. I kind of, after artificial age, I kind of was just in this sort of like, "Mm, nothing I'm hearing separately here is really blowing my socks off. So I'm not really that engaged with it. So it was actually quite a nice revelation to use one of the names of the song on this particular. (laughs) Well said. Yes. Well said to go back to this album and listen to it from, from start to finish. So, um, I don't know. Should we just go into some facts and figures and just, I I think let's get into it and let, and, and let us say, let us both remind ourselves periodically, let us find that joy, find the joy. Let's not be all sad and sad sack and terrible and blah, blah. Let us find the joy. Taste the rain. Here we are. I mean, first of all, let's say this. Ed, I think this is our 91st episode. That's insane in and of itself. 90, 91 of these folks. 91 of these bad boys. Here we are. That itself is an accomplishment. And we have come to the end of this part of the journey. The journey's not over. This is just but this plus. part is the end. And and endings can be celebrated. Right. And it's it's not even a hard stop. We've we mentioned on our last pod, we're, we're going to keep pushing forward. We got originals and welcome to America and, and various things that we're going to explore beyond that. So yes, let's 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 just stop. Here. Let's get back down to business like we do, like we do or want to do here. And let's talk about this album. Let's talk. About we're going to talk about this album, too. Here it is. Facts and figures. Bring on those facts and figures, Jared. Hit and run. Phase two, facts and figures. Here we are. This is the 39th studio album by Prince. It was first initially released exclusively on Tidal in December uh of 2015 and then uh for purchase later can i I pause you to say this i'm realizing part of the reason i didn't listen to his albums at the latter part of his career was i would not subscribe to title well there you go i mean that's part of it's now clicking with me like why why wasn't i really listening to this well i didn't feel like just subscribing to title for the sake of listening to this album so anyway Exactly. exactly so uh initially prince confirmed on twitter remember twitter before Elon Musk. I don't know Twitter, Twitter, but I know something called X. Yeah, exactly. Prince confirmed on Twitter that there was going to be a physical CD of Hit and Run Phase 2 that was going to be given away uh, on the weekend of Paisley Park shows in January of 2016. Mm. The CD was also given away to attendees of the shows on the Australian and New Zealand legs of the Piano and Microphone Tour. Nice. The album was given a worldwide release on May 6th. That's my brother's birthday, by the by. I'm sure that was that was taken into consideration. I'm sure it was uh, May 6, 2016, just two weeks after his death. Yeah, Uh, pretty crazy. So it was these tracks, like many of these Prince later albums, they were recorded over a span of a few years from 2011 to 2015. The full length of the album is 57 minutes and 55 seconds. Mm. And the producer is credited as Prince and the new power generation. Say what? I know. That's interesting. Um, we also have the legendary Booker T. Jones on engineering duties. And there is a, notably a very large, and I know we're going to talk about this a lot. There is a large brass section. Oh, God. Yes, there is. Five saxophones, four trumpets, two trombones, collectively known as the NPG horns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Ed, as you mentioned, 
there were a number number of singles that were released, you know, kind of throughout the years. Yeah. Um, do you think you know what they all are? Can you can you rattle all them off of them? For us? Uh, don't be that confident. I could rattle off a couple. Baltimore was released. Baltimore was released in early May 2015. Of course, it is. We're going to talk about Baltimore, but it's about sure. Freddie Gray. Absolutely. Uh, Screwdriver. Yeah, Screwdriver. Yes. Yeah, Screwdriver. Mm-hmm. Let me see. Screwdriver was released in February 2013. See, all over the place. All Stare. The place. Stare. Yes. And I think Stare was the was the official release from the album when it came out. Oh, there you go. Uh, it was first released on Spotify as an exclusive track in September 2015. And then released widely on december 3rd 2015 gotcha uh after that it's 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 apps i'm just i'm just throwing darts against the wall sure there's two more there is there's three more uh hit me with them because I, yeah i'm not i don't know we've got rock and roll love affair oh yeah released yeah, yeah. in november of 2012 okay we have extra lovable which has got a whole big history oh, extra lovable as we know yes um that was originally released in november 2011 what? on itunes Yes. And then it was re-released again with horn overdubs uh, uh, in June 2013. Mm. Groovy Potential was also released uh, through Prince's website, thirditunes.com. Okay. Okay. August 2013. Nice. So those are our singles. The album debuted at number 23 on the R&B charts upon its release. It sold 2,000 copies in its first week. It re-entered the chart at 13 when Prince died four months later and peaked at number three on the charts on May 21st, 2016. I'm wondering if Prince's death in a weird way hurt the album and its sales. And what I mean by that is if if you go back, and I, I know we haven't given the research team uh, time to look through this, but after Prince passed, he had so many different albums that all of a sudden peaked in the top 10, but it was all the classic albums, right? People yeah, went back and bought Purple yeah, Rain. The they went back and yeah, got whatever. And I'm wondering in a weird way that that his passing actually drew attention away from his new release and people looked at his old discography and just kind of jumped on that. I mean, I did I, the same thing. We talked about that. I actually went back to his very first albums and I found myself listening to them over and over again after he had passed. So, I'm, you know, I'm just, it's just a question I was wondering. I think head. it's, I think that's an excellent question. And I think it's a great point that you're raising. It's sort of, it's inevitable, right? Whenever, whenever one of the greats passes, all of a sudden their, their big records all leap into the charts again. And, and right. that's just what happens. You know, all the people who, you know, thought, Oh, I'll get around to buying this record. You know, I'll get around to buying Purple Rain sometime. And then they, then they finally do. You know, I think that's a good point. So it very well could have heard it. Um, it did peak at number five on the hip hop and R&B charts, and it did reach number 40 on the Billboard 200. Okay. So there's that. And then, you know, the last couple of records I was talking about these international charts, the best it did, let's see. Well, you could probably guess it. Where do you think it did the best outside of the United States? In Steph's hometown? You better believe it. It reached number five in the Netherlands. <laughs> it reached number seven in Belgium. Yep. It reached nine in Switzerland mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and everything else is, is well out of the top 10, you know, okay. like Canada was 47, France, it was 34, uh, Ireland, it was 45, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, so expected. It, it, to be expected, uh, all over the place. Yeah. So those are some sort of some, some of the sales and figures about that. 
Uh, do you want to hear some reviews? Yeah, what were folks talking about with this album? What's going on? Let's talk about it a little bit. There's a bunch of stuff. Um, I, you know, again, I've been I was trying to look for some different kinds of of reviews. Some of these are a little lengthy, so I'm going to ask you to bear with me. Of course, I got to start with our old friends at Pitchfork, just because Pitchfork, Pitchfork, nothing's pitchforkier than Pitchfork. <laughs> Wearing their uh, Peter Gabriel European tour hoodies. <laughs> Touche, my friend. <laughs> yes, Touché. yes. So Pitchfork gave. Can I pause you to say this? For some, I'm sorry. I want to give a shout out because Bonnie, our good friend Bonnie. Our old friend Bonnie. Yeah. And I forgot to mention this to you. I'll do it quickly here on the air. She posted that she went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and saw a Peter Gabriel. She thought of you. She goes, I know, I know Jared's not typically on the Facebook page, but and shared a picture of a Peter Gabriel funky looking, like kind of, it was like a, a hoodie type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so just wanted to share that with you here on air. So thank you. And thank you, Bonnie, for thinking of me. Absolutely. I'm always grateful for your attention. Um, but anyway, back to Pitchfork. Yes. Here's what they had to say about Hit and Run Phase 2. They gave it a 4.7. <laughs> sure. Because, sure. Sure. of course, they did. Yeah. Yep. And here's what they said. Pitchfork. Quote. As a thought experiment, it's fun to imagine how classic Prince records might sound to fresh ears. To guess how Kiss and I Would Die For You in 1999 by, might be received by someone raised in the Spotify era. He's a notoriously streaming, unfriendly artist, after all. And even as his reputation looms larger than ever, his art has become more difficult to obtain. What would someone vaguely familiar with the legend but completely new to the music discover? Well, a million things, obviously. A particular melodic sensibility, the urge to continually reinvent, the indelible stories, his undeniable chops, or restless creativity. But in concrete terms... Prince's best work took new, unfamiliar paths to familiar feelings. Established songs, uh, established song forms rebuilt the wrong way, quote unquote. Prince's discography has a stiff, funky, uncanny valley relationship with the pop that came before. And this is why Hit and Run Phase 2 is an underwhelming entry in the <laughs> artist formerly known as the artist formerly known as Prince's can canon. Relative to the idiosyncratic and all-over-the-place first iteration of the Hit and Run series, Phase 2 is an organic, textured, polished, and predictable release. Mm. From beginning to end, Prince seems more interested in establishing his proficiency with pop forms, demonstrating his facility with the materials to craft, as it were, a sturdy wooden table. Rather mm. than an artist's interpretation, we get a craftsman's tracing. This is in part due to the absence of Joshua Welton, formerly of the forgotten R&B group Fatty Coo. Welton uh, co-produced the bulk of the first hit-and-run album, accenting with EDM flourishes in a way that felt mildly adventurous. Without them, the record feels bland. But ultimately, mm. it's a lack of ideas that sinks this record, a point mm. which hits home every time these songs overtly or subliminally recall one song or another in pop music history. Whether the references, ref, um, excuse me, whether the references are knowing, a nod to Prince's own kiss partway through the dance floor record stare, or simply dial up favorites from R&B's celestial jukebox, the extended highlight groovy potential surely recalls Oliver Cheatham's Get Down Saturday Night, the songs really cohere into unique shapes, or when they do, 
There's something quite in me, uh, mediated about the whole ordeal. The swaggering protagonists of Stare may have the party going ham, but the strutting feels calculated and theatrical. We also get the waltz of When She Comes, like an action figure version of Otis Redding's I've Got Dreams to Remember, or the <laughs> luminous, or excuse me, the ludicrous chorus of Garage Rock Vehicle Screwdriver, which was first premiered in 2013 and could have been written for the hives. Lyrics tend to be forgettably symbolic. I'm in the big city when I'm in your arms. I mean, sure. This is perhaps most jarring on the topical opener, Baltimore, which not only strikes a bum note tonally, the reassuringly jaunty vibe is miles away from all right, but just seems lazy. We're tired of crying and people dying. Let's take all the guns away. Okay, so no one needs Prince to offer policy positions, but in contrast with even the hippie idealism of his incredible 90s anti-gun anthem love sign, Baltimore suggests complete creative fatigue. Mm. redeeming moments are ones which make unpredictable moves any shocks are welcome welcome on a record as polite and poised as this near the end comes revelation a spare version of an eiley brothers style ballad which holds attention by withholding prince's vocal performance has a touching grace but what makes the song work is its subversive refusal to entirely exist it feels like a shadow but perhaps the album's true star is extra lovable a silly record with an amusing chorus conceit Whenever you need someone to take a shower with, call me up, please. It strikes a rarely relatable, goofy balance, and like 2014's Breakfast Can Wait or 2015's 1000 X's and O's, this gives the record some weight and substance. It's a bit odd to imagine that shower sex is the most exciting part of Prince's day. After all, he's still a superstar living in a $10 million Paisley Park estate, but no reason not to take what you can get. I mean, it's, what, what, don't, is, that, is there a tagline fair and balanced? Is that somebody else I'm thinking of? That, I, that's someone else you're thinking about. Oh, oh, oh never mind. Yeah. Um, you know what? Pitch those forks. Pitchfork. Whatever. Whatever. That That's my well thought through response. Do we think that Pitchfork chose the name Pitchfork so they could pitchfork people? I think you hit it. I think we hit it. I think you hit it. It. it I don't want to slam Pitchfork, although we are slamming it and we slam it all the time. It must be miserable to work there. You're probably right. And, and what does a Pitchfork do? It digs up dirt. Let's it be digs honest. digs up dirt. It just... just digs up or it aerates soil. I don't know which sounds worse. Uh... I mean, talk <laughs> about a bunch of miserable bastards at Pitchfork. Anyway. I do. They do amuse us. We do. We are. Yeah, we do. And listen, I, and I got to say, we've said this before, just to be come come up front and be honest. When they typically give an album a nine or like even eight, nine or up to 10, which is rare, that album does pretty much rock. I've it never does. gone. I've never seen an album. They scored high and been like, what the hell were they thinking? Like, no, that's true. That's yeah. true. But they are they are they are always looking to undercut at yeah. any moment at sure. any moment. Absolutely. No. Yeah. Anyway, absolutely. let us move on. Let's let move on. Move Forget on. about Pitchfork. Forget right. about Pitchfork. Next, we have Vanity Fair. Love Vanity. Have Fair. I ever used Vanity Fair? Has that come up before? I didn't know Vanity had a had a magazine. There you go. This is Vanity's magazine. This is Vanity's magazine. Yeah, exactly. Okay. This is what she's been doing in all these preceding years. <laughs> Here's the review from Vanity Fair. Quote: Hit and Run Phase Two is a fine album. Hmm. To the extent that it now serves as Prince's farewell, it's an apt one, brimming with the near profligate musical inventiveness and seemingly casual seeming virtuosity that drew audiences to him in the first place. 
I mean, hmm. that alone repudiates everything that Pitchfork just said. Right on, right? If it's not up to his best work, what is? No one performs white hot forever. It's just not possible according to the laws of both art and th- thermodynamics. So this is a problem all great pop stars face. Once you've disrupted the musical order, where do you go from there? Many crank out increasingly unconvincing imitations of the younger selves, like Xeroxes of Xeroxes of Xeroxes. Think of the Rolling Stones or Brian Wilson or Madonna, who has become a grim parody of herself in her desperation to stay current. Do we need to let people know what Xerox means? Yeah. (laughs) Do people understand that? Yeah. Xeroxes of Xeroxes of Xeroxes is the name of our new band, I think, by the way. (laughs) We got the hats made. They're big hats. They're They're they're, they're big hats. It's going to be great. Absolutely. The artists who endure, who continue to do interesting, if not necessarily culturally relevant work, often become genres unto themselves, like Prince. And I put Bob Dylan in this category, too. We don't come to a new Prince or Dylan album looking for revelation the way we might have decades ago. We come to renew the conversation. I think that's a great. Oh, I love that phrase. I like it, too. I like it, too. The same can be true of film directors as well. Hitchcock and Fellini's late movies are as much about being Hitchcock and Fellini movies as they are about whatever particular story they may be trying to tell. Mm -hmm. The hit and run rubric implies a kind of sneaky magpie approach, which is fitting given that has always been part of Prince's aesthetic, both on albums, the eclectic double LP sign of the times being the prime example, and on his breakthrough hits in the early 80s when he mashed up funk, new wave, and his own uniquely witty, the bitterness persona. Okay. Okay. Well considered. I like it. I like it. I like it. Here's from Paste. 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 Did you ever eat paste when you were a kid? Never. Good for you. From the opening notes of Prince's Hit and Run Phase (laughs) 2, it seems like a return to the days of the Purple One's mid-career classics like Cream, The Most Beautiful Girl in the World, and even Kiss. Baltimore feels good. Churning, mm. sleek, a bouncing to a rubbery beat, and the vibe permeates his latest collaboration with the new power generation. But even through the positive musical vibes, Hit and Run 2 shows Prince sowing seeds of sh- social commentary. He sings in Baltimore, quote, does anyone hear us pray for Michael Brown or Freddie Gray? Peace is more than the absence of war. We're going to see another bloody day. We're tired of crying and people dying. Let's take all the guns away. Like Stevie Wonder and Sly Stone, hard truths are best served in a way they're actually heard. These serious elements don't overtake in Run 2, though. It's not steeped into crying social injustice. Instead, the album is a call to the kind of funk that closes over your head like too much champagne. Undulating, fizzy, and almost lightheaded, this is music to induce a euphoria that lifts skirts and spirits. Hmm. Songs like Stare hilariously harvest Prince's past. It tumbles with horns, evoking references to Sexy Dancer, Kiss, and more specifically, playing on stage in our underwear. Prince also returns to topics more carnal. If more romantic than raw in a world of cheap and sleazy hookups, he reminds people putting a genuine connection into the collision adds satisfaction. In fact, Throughout the entirety of Hit and Run 2, Prince is seemingly on the prowl, seeking extended coital bliss. It shows in the cheerfully boho tale of rock and roll love affair, the tumbling bass notes of Black Muse, descending into Woolitzer waves and horn curls and the piano chimes and finger pops of the slow jamming, groovy potential. The propulsive screwdriver, equal parts garage rock and lean funk, surges and sweeps the listener into its clutches. The hyper tempo and buzzy guitar turns circles as Prince rushes through verses to get to the extorting, I'm your driver, you're my screw chorus, a tumult of want, build, and release. 
While the pace of screwdriver is not so easily maintainable for Prince, an icon of a certain age, the flex adds ballast to even the slighter moments. Extra lovable sounds like his impression of Tom Jones fronting Earth, Wind, and Fire. And the pleasant enough closer Hmm. Big City offers a metaphor for his paramour's ability to make everywhere the Big City ultimately fall short. Hmm. Maybe that's the point of hit and run, too. Sometimes what feels good plays to the place between the ears, but doesn't require stopping the moment to parse the songs. Okay. Copy, paste. Copy, paste. Copy and paste. Copy and paste. Here we have from our friends at the L.A. Times. You go, L.A. and your Times. Exactly. The Times of L.A. Is this becoming a habit? That's the question Prince raised Saturday morning when, without warning, he released a new studio album, Hit and Run Phase 2, on Tidal. As its title suggests, the 12-track set follows an early album, Hit and Run Phase 1, which Prince had made available in similar fashion in September, proof it would seem that his legendary control freak has shed his once-famous disdain for the unruly internet. But a newly favored means of delivery isn't the only thing that feels familiar about Phase 2. Taken together, the hit-and-run records present a larger echo of the two albums put out in 2014, one mostly electronic, Artificial Age, and the other raw and more guitar-based, Plectrum Electrum. Maybe this double-shot system is how Prince, as prolific as he's ever been, intends to roll on, roll, roll on from here on out. Works for me. A proudly organic companion to the EDM-inflected Phase 1, Prince's latest album shows that he hasn't lost his interest in or his knack for creating the creeping funk and lush R&B balladry he was making in the early 90s on records like The Great Diamonds and Pearls. That set inaugurated his on-again, off-again relationship with the elaborate backup group he calls the New Power Generation, and the group returns for Hit and Run Phase 2. In Look at You, Look at Me, the players embroider a sturdy bass figure with separate saxophones and flute lines. Extra Lovable uses bright horns, chattering guitars, and vintage-sounding synthesizers to build a busy, ebullient disco track. When she comes, adds accordion to the mix for a gorgeously detailed ode to a woman who can conjure a lemoncello ballet, a psychedelic cabaret in her lover's mind. Yet it's not all so ornate. Stare strips down in more than one sense with Prince adopting the royal we to remember when he used to go on stage in her underwear over a minimal groove that recalls to mind sexy MF, at least until it quotes the indelible guitar riff from Kiss. Even if he didn't enjoy it, which he clearly does, that kind of self-reference would be hard to avoid for Prince, given the enormity of his catalog at this point. Indeed, Phase 2 repurposes several tunes Prince has issued in various configurations over the last few years, including Screwdriver, an appealingly lewd garage soul rave-up. But one reason the album has its vitality that it does is Prince's determination to look outward, even as he pulls from within. Baltimore, the album's powerful opening cut, first appeared on SoundCloud in May in response to the death of Freddie Gray, who suffered a fatal injury while in police custody. Peace is more than the absence of war, Prince sings, before warning that we're going to see another bloody day. Then he offers a solution, one more concise and far more politically charged than he's gone for in the past. Let's take all the guns away, he says. It's all the more moving for how warmly optimistic the song remains. Other tracks signal Prince's engagement in the modern world in more lighthearted ways, such as the springing, springy 2Y2D about a fellow performer too fine for idol, too smart for the X Factor. Coming from the guy who wrote Nothing Compares to You, that's a throwaway line, no doubt about it. Perhaps that's what happens when you start pumping out two albums every year. Yet Prince sings it with a real spirit, an artist freshly charged up four decades into his career. 
His habit is clearly feeding him. Nice. Yeah. Um, and here's one that I thought was pretty fun. I don't even know how I came upon, upon this. This is a review from the socialist worker. Oh, wow. It's been yeah. a while since I've looked at their reviews. Uh, your reviews. <laughs> you, you know, they used to be top of the heap when it came to oh, my goodness. Yeah. Music criticism. So here it is from the socialist worker. They said this quote. Unlike September's poorly received phase one, this surprise end of year release is a step away from digital production and back to the classic funky analog sounds that Prince does so well. This is not an entirely new album. Some of the tracks have been released already and can be found for free online. Some have been performed in recent live shows and some are from Prince's archives of thousands of songs he has previously recorded, but it doesn't suffer for all of that. The album was recorded over a four-year period in his studio, which must be a considerable size to fit in, among others, a welcome return of his band, the new power generation, and a 16-piece horn section. The album opens with Baltimore, a track he released last May, referencing the killing of Freddie Gray as Prince's contribution to the Black Lives Matter movement against police racism and violence. Prince makes it clear which side he takes with both the video and the lyrics. Nobody's got in nobody's way, so I guess you could say it was a good day, he says, referencing Ice Cube. And if there ain't no justice, then there ain't no peace, the cry that has run from L.A. through every protest against police brutality. Baltimore isn't Prince's only foray into social commentary. Think of 1987's Sign of the Times, nor even necessarily his best. But it's a good track, and it's great to see a major artist making a statement at an important moment. However, being Prince, this album isn't all politics. There's an awful lot of sex in there, too. Songs like Look at Me, Look at You, and Revelation, although you spend most of the time in the latter trying to work out if it's about religion or sex, are trademark Prince numbers both lyrically and musically. Black Muse shows what a talented musician Prince is. First heard in his live tours of 2010 with female leads on this recording, Prince takes over the lead vocal, and it's hard to understand why it's why it was around for five years without release. Prince has always been a bit of a maverick. Remember his protest against the record company by performing with Slave written on his face and the years he wanted to be known as the symbol? He has boycotted Spotify, stated that the free streaming platform allows record companies to take more money and give less to the artists, making it harder for new artists to break in. Both hit-and-run records have been released initially by Jay-Z's site title. Prince has also been prolific, and although the quality is varied, he has always been innovative and prepared to try new techniques. However, hit-and-run phase two is a return to what Prince does best. Sexy, funky soul. It may not be the pinnacle of his illustrious career, but it's probably his best album this century. Wow. So how many hammer and sickles did they give it? (laughs) A full six, comrade. Um, And finally, our our last review for Hit and Run Phase 2, another source I don't know that I've ever cited before, ABC News. Hey, ABC. Come on now. The American Broadcasting Corporation. Here's what they said. Quote, Considering the high amount of unreleased music said to be in Prince's Paisley Park Vault, Hit and Run Phase 2 is the last album of Prince's lifetime, but most likely not his last album to see a release. It was actually dropped on Tidal in December and got a fuller, wider physical release this past week. This date was set long before Prince died unexpectedly. The album is a sequel to last year's Just Okay But Not Remarkable remarkable Hit and Run Phase 1. While that album aimed for a more contemporary slick pop sound, this album is a little different and more organic in its approach. In a way, it's an old-school funk record, but a low-key one by Prince's standards. It starts with a prayer for peace, 
with Baltimore, a song that name checks Michael Brown and Freddie Gray. Prince asks for the violence to be stopped in this heartfelt anthem. Stare could easily be a vintage Prince song. The horn section throughout this song and this record gives the album a 70s style feel. Although by the time you get to the slow jam revelation, there is a bit more of the smooth jazz sneaking into the mix. What's really fun about this collection is that it still hints at Prince's sexually charged side. Screwdriver, for instance, dances around Prince's dirty past with its chorus refrain of I'm your driver, you're my screw, and it does so in a way that melodically wouldn't displease fans of 80s era hits like Raspberry Beret. The dynamite ballad When She Comes hints at similar territory, as does 2Y2D. Prince may have stopped cursing and writing overtly sexual material, but the legacy still stands. Look at Me, Look at You and The Closer Big City both bring a mellowing yet authoritative sense of funk. This isn't the digitized funk side that Prince showed on the Phase 1 standout, shut this down, but this is a more natural sound. I'm sure a lot of people are examining Prince's discography right now. Purple Rain, 1999, Dirty Mind, and others 80 classics will sell a lot of copies in the coming weeks. Hit and Run Phase 2 was Prince's fourth album in a two-year span. Of those four records, it is also the best of the pack. While this album doesn't possess the amazement factor of 2010's aptly titled 2010, how about that? Wait, wait, hold hold on. Say what again? I know, I know, I know. Which showcased the Purple One using old-style synths. It is still one of the better albums he released during the last decade of his life. I just hope in the scheme of things that generations of younger listeners don't forget to explore these later albums. Hmm. If Hit and Run Phase 2 is to be seen as an end to Prince's career, it definitely ends on a high note. Interesting. How many Ted Koppels did they give it? Two Ted Koppels. And a Peter Jennings. Or four Barbara Walters. And a quarter of a Peter Jennings. And a quarter of a Peter Jennings. Oh, good stuff, man. Good, good stuff. Good, nice variety of reviews there. A lot of, a lot of interesting variety of reviews. And I think it's very telling that, you know, that's just a small sampling, but all of them are pretty positive except for Pitchfork. Well, yeah. I mean, that's their, that's their business. Is yeah. Yeah. And you know, I mean, I, I say that as someone, I mean, we are clearly not like, you know, we're not homers. We, when, when a record's not good, we say it's not good. Absolutely. But I think that Pitchfork review, not to tip my hand, is un, unfairly harsh. Yeah, I think they 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 take uh, almost too much joy in throwing yes. darts at yes, folks, they do. especially legacy artists. I mean, listen, what, what's what's the, what are they about? They're about new music, new sounds, right? So right. they're gonna come come with a little suspicion to I think uh, more legacy artists who are releasing stuff. But I think that's how it typically goes, right? Generally, yes, I think so. Let's let's do what we do and we do really well, which is let's review this album ourselves. Let's review this album ourselves because we're the definitive voice in this. We've, we've so said it. We, we said it again. Yeah. <laughs> Track number one <laughs> on Hit and Run Phase Two. Here we go, Ed. We're finally doing this. Track number one. This is titled Baltimore. For Michael Brown or Freddie Gray. Pieces more than the absence. Now, Ed, there's a lot of ways I could go here. Obviously. Yeah, please. Go, go all the ways then. But I'm going to go this way. Okay. I'm going to steer us uh, into baseball for a half a second. I wish we'd talked about baseball more on this podcast. Go ahead. I, we should talk about baseball more. On November 8th, 2023, mm-hmm. Ben Verlander of Fox Sports okay. posted this. He said, I'm actually prepared 
I'm reading this quote. I'm actually prepared to offer my way too early World Series prediction for 2024. I believe the Philadelphia Phillies will square off against the Baltimore Orioles with the Phillies winning the crown. Ed, would you like to comment on Phillies Orioles 2024 World Series? Go. Nothing would make me happier than that matchup. Orioles and Phillies, I would absolutely be tickled if that really came to pass. If for no other reason, we could get to both of those parks pretty That's easily. That's what I exactly what I mean. Then they're both beyond just the idea that they're available to us generally, it's drivable. Those both those parks are amazingly wonderful baseball parks, stadiums. So that would be Should a wonderful start, place. I was thinking about this. Should we start a new companion pod that's called Red Podtober? <laughs> I think we've already kind of incorporated. Have we already these, done that? A Red little Podtober. Bit. A little bit. Um, Ed, what do you think of this Baltimore? What do you make of this track? Yeah, let me let me talk through this one just a little bit. I have some yes. mixed feelings about this one. Um, so real nice harmony to start off. Catches the ear. Some crunching guitar. There's like a steady acoustic drum beat going. It reminds me in terms of its general sound and structure and production. It reminds me of a little track called Cinnamon Girl. Do you remember Cinnamon Girl? I do remember Cinnamon Girl. And I have to be true to my reaction. Here's the thing. I want to really like this song a lot because of the content, right? The whole idea behind this song. Freddie Gray story needs to be told. It needs his name needs to be repeated over time and and not forgotten. I don't particularly love this style of Prince song. It's something I've been on the record on on our various podcasts. This sort of pop oriented kind of guitar, kind of sprinkled in track, is just it doesn't it doesn't pull me in. And to add to that. I have to agree to a certain extent of what some of the reviewers said about this particular track in terms of the simplifying of the complex issue that was happening with police brutality that continues to happen, sadly, with police brutality, that the answer is, let's just take all the guns away. That will solve all the problems. Simplifying in that way just makes it seem um, not as considered, I guess, as a way to talk about it. I do love the line, peace is not simply the absence of war. I do too. I wrote that down. I think that's a strong run. Really good horn arrangements here. There's a nice little bass at the end. Maybe, and maybe this is me, Ed Miller, the listener, wanting a different type of style of song to be the conversation point around this particular instance of what, you know, this thing that happened to Freddie Gray, which is, I want anger. Like, I want something a little more raw and harsh. And that's probably unfair to come into this saying, here's the type of song I expect to hear when it's about Freddie Gray. And I, I'll, I'll own that. But it's I think I was looking for something a little more edgy and a little more raw and angry than this. It's It's an oddly pretty song. That's my take. What was what's your feeling about it? So I think first of all I want to say I think this is a fascinating conversation. So I'm going to push back. I'm going to I I don't I don't, I don't want you to. I just yeah, I won't so, I won't accept it. First of all, let me <laughs> So let me say this first of all. I think rock stars in general often get knocked for producing, you know, in the moment responses to social justice events. Okay? okay? I remember for example, I don't know if you remember this ad, Tom Petty being excoriated when he produced a song called Peace in LA. 
during the after the Rodney King riots. Do you I'm remember that? I'm not even familiar with that at all. No. Yeah, he, uh-uh. he recorded yeah. and released a song called Peace in L.A. He was excoriated for that. I'm thinking about Paul McCartney's Freedom Song after 9-11, if you remember that one. Um, I don't remember that one either. It's so he, funny. He wrote a song called Freedom that was about 9-11. Um, and I grant that these songs don't always work. Sometimes they can seem like empty gestures. Or they can seem like, in the most callous way of thinking, they can seem like cash-ins in some regard. But I think that the intent is almost always in the right place. And I think that's certainly true here. I, I agree with you there. I don't think he... Yeah, um, go ahead. To me, here's why I think the music... I'm not, uh, We'll talk about the lyrics in a second. But here's why I think the music actually, for me, upon reflection, works better than what you're talking about. And I understand that instinct of like... Why isn't it angrier? Why isn't it edgier? Why isn't it why isn't it more aggressive? Why isn't it expressing this kind of thing? Because I think Prince, especially given his faith, let us not forget, right? Mm-hmm. The music in this track, Baltimore, to me, to my ear, sounds hopeful. And I think that that's a good thing. He's hoping, and the lyrics speak to this. He says, it's the time for love. It's time to hear the, the the guitar play, right? You know, um, those 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 lines are simple, I grant you, but they are hopeful, and I think Prince is offering here hope rather than aggression, because maybe he's thinking, "What has aggression gotten us so far? Nothing except dead bodies in the streets." Yeah, and yeah. so. You know, we've we've talked about this, Ed, before, too, throughout the pod, about songs that Prince has written that musically belie what the lyrical content is. Right. And that in some ways, that di- dichotomy makes the song more effective. Now, I'm not going to argue. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Baltimore. I like it. But I also don't think it's... It's not the strongest political song I ever wrote. You know, I don't I don't think that's true either. But I do think that he was we know he was always intentional. And to me, his intent is to add a hopeful note to something that seems dire, a hopeful note yeah, that we yeah. can rise above and a belief that we as a society can rise above such such acts of violence. I don't know when or if we're ever going to do it as we can see in the moment that we're in around the world it's that's a tough that's a tough ask and i and that's all i'll say about that this is not we don't discuss things like that here but you know what i'm saying right Um, right. so i don't know i think that you know the the line we both mentioned peace is more than the absence of war that's a simple line but it's great it's a truism and i think it's absolutely correct I really like the string and, and, and keyboard, the string keyboard breakdown in the middle, the middle eight there. I think the guitar work is lovely and simple. It's very melodic. The, the guitar almost has a pleading sort of tone to it for me. It's asking for peace. It's asking for the violence to stop. It's asking for justice. Yep. Um, so I, I think Baltimore mostly works for me. This track mostly works. I totally get where you're coming from. Uh, I and I don't like I, I don't uh, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. You know what I mean? I get it, but I think yeah. that he's trying to trying to strike. Stop interrupting me. He's trying to. 
<laughs> Peace is more than the absence of you interrupting me. <laughs> anyway, I'll just wrap up by saying. Oh, I thanks. Think, Go ahead. Please wrap up. I, I, I think he's trying to strike a hopeful note. That's what I think is happening. No, I, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. And may, this is probably saying more about me, maybe as a listener, than Prince. As... You're a bit of a warmonger. Is that what you mean? You're admitting <laughs> I'm such, I've always been a hawk. I've been a hawk. Even though I'm a subscriber to the Socialist Music Reviews. I always listen to those <laughs> or read those pretty much on a daily basis. The um, I just wish... I wish I liked the song more because to be very honest with you, and I listen, I, li- I listen to this album a lot in the last yeah. couple of weeks. This is a skip for me. Like it comes on and I try to listen to it and I don't hate it by any stretch. It's not like it's, it's so like disagreeable to me, but I want to move on to the next track, which we'll talk about very shortly and get into some of these other songs because I think they have a little more punch. Um, so for whatever reason, this one just doesn't hit my ear in the way that I wish it would given what the content's about. Like, I wish I was a little bit more into it to be, to be honest with you. Do you think if you didn't have a cold, empty black hole in the middle of your chest where a heart should be, that it would, it would affect you more? What do you think? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that has any bearing on it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on. Let's move on uh, to the next track. This one's called rock and roll love affair. Born of despair. Yellow sun rising on their bodies in bed Two people in love with nothing but the road ahead Jared, if you're going to have a love affair Yeah, yeah What would be that soundtrack? Would it be rock and roll? Would you want jazz? Would you want uh, classical music? Do you want house Chicago dubstep? What? <laughs> Not sure if those last things are true things. Yeah, I think you just invented a genre. I might have invented a new genre of dance music. What? What would you prefer? What? What's your love affair? Well, I feel like I need some playlist. parameters. Like, what kind of love affair is it? Is it a torrid, illicit love affair? Is it a? Aren't they the best love? ones? Aren't they the best well, ones? They are. I mean, if if it's if it's a if it's a if it's a torrid, down and dirty, throwing throwing your throwing each other against the wall in the rain kind of, then it's got to be the blues, right? interesting blues Down okay blues okay yeah that that works that what works. about you is it mostly nursery rhymes and <laughs> yeah it's mostly it's mostly 80s tv theme songs is what i think of <laughs> making your way in the world, in the world today. today we just sang that recently didn't we, we did we did we did <laughs> all right so what do you think about this this track rock and roll love affair what do you think about this one torrid is you it know- a torrid track well, first of all, Ed, you know, speaking of love affairs, this song is purportedly about your girl, Andy Allo. I listen, I just I, I don't want to get you upset, but that's I, know. I knew you were going to bring this up several times on this on this pod. But there you go. That's uh, fine. That's, that's fine. fine. Can you imagine being the boyfriend of Andy Allo now and saying, oh, you used to date Prince? Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you how do you deal with that? Like, oh, you dated Prince. OK, you dated well. Prince. Oh, and Ed Miller's coming hard at you. Yeah, huh. I mean, what, how am I going to survive this? That I can make was, toast. Absolutely, 100%. I can offer that to her. Oh, anyway, sorry. Back, so, back anyway, to that. So, yeah, first of all, that's about Andy Allo. Second of all, let's just put this out there. The keyboard riff is straight up Take Me With You, fully and completely. Yeah, it's, it's um, really there, isn't it? I was thinking about this. You know, I, at first, I wasn't sure what the point of that was. But then it occurred to me, I wonder if that's because that was also a duet with another protege he had a fling with. Could be. You know, and that he was sort of drawing a parallel there. Maybe that's the connection. 
I, despite that, though, I do. I kind of dig this tune. His, his vocal is in a husky sort of place in his range, yep. a touch deeper than normal, which I like. And there's a great liquidy sounding guitar riff that you hear pretty clearly on your Bose headphones. Hashtag Bose. Please give Hashtag us money. Um, and that that liquid riff is a, it's a gem, really. Um, now, I'm going to say something, and I, this is probably going to sound insulting, but I don't mean it to. Mm. This feels like a perfectly competent Cheryl Crow type of song. Oh, yeah, I don't know. That's but hey, listen, our girl Cheryl Crow just was was just this week inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So, okay, I'm not the world's biggest Cheryl Crow fan, but her and Prince were buds, and like, there you go. I don't um, mind. I don't mind Cheryl. I know you and I've had conversations about Cheryl. I'm, I'm okay with her, and I love folks. We probably mentioned this in previous pods. If you ha- see the footage on YouTube of Search Prince Cheryl Crow live. You'll see him come on and sing, uh, play some really great guitar on every day as a winding road, which is fan. And it's wonderful because Cheryl looks mid 90s, Lilith Fair, brown and blacks with boots, you know, and yeah. Prince comes on in his blue, that blue Raven to the Joy Fantastic outfit. Like, what does he do? He's like a, some, an alien landed from outer space. Uh, it was, it's, it's fantastic footage. Oh, I'll also say that Cheryl's song. My, you're my favorite mistake is an all timer. You love that one. You've always said. I love You've that. Always said. You've always said. So anyway, it does feel like that way to me. So I, I will say that, uh, I don't think this is, I don't think this is bad at all. But it doesn't necessarily stand out to me. That is my take on this. What, what about you in this rock and roll love affair? Are you in love with this love affair? Talk, speak on it. Well, you know, I had to, as as you rightly mentioned, I had to review this despite the fact that I knew it was about Andy Allo. So it was right. it was hard. It was hard. You were under duress. You were under duress. A little bit. A little bit. I like the song. I, I I really I think from the moment it starts, you'll be hearing me say this over and over again reviewing this album. The horns. Yeah. There's a certain quality to the horns. Like you mentioned, how huge this horn section is that he's using for most of this album. It's noticeable. And his arrangements are a little different here. Um, and I can't think of the gentleman he had arranged the horns. It's it's escaping me at the moment, which is going to kill me. But I know he was working with Prince on a jazz album at the same time, the same the same gentleman, um, which hopefully will get released someday. Um, it was recorded right before he passed. But anywho, I, I just I really love the horns here. There's a nice slinky bass line. This it's funny. This reminded you of "Take Me With You" a bit, at least. And then I'm, I'm here. I, I could hear that riff there. This reminds me of Cream, Ooh. the song Cream. It has that kind of just it revs, it goes at a nice, steady, constant pace, and you kind of just after a verse, you kind of get just sucked into the groove of it. That's how I felt when I listened to it. There's a nice little slight echo on his vocal and that raspiness that you mentioned. I really love it. The horns are stand out. I just think this one revs along really, really confidently. And it, it sets the tone for this almost, I don't know, soul album kind of thing. Like, I think we're going to talk about this more, but there becomes a sort of certain soundscape that he creates here that he continues to use throughout. And there's really this great use of horns. And this is the fr- this is exhibit A of that um, before we move on to the other songs in the album. There you go. Very good. All right. Well, speaking of those other songs in the album, let's talk about the next one, track number three, which is officially titled 2Y2D.
a fan of cinema. I do. I do like me some cinema. What is your favorite, if you have one, 3D film that you've seen in the theater? Wow. I've not seen many, Jared, to be quite honest I, with you. I presume it must be either Jaws 3D or Friday the 13th 3D. I, I'm guessing it's one of those two. Of course, because I'm such a horror film fan. Yes, yes. Um, I The only one I think I've... No, I saw Hugo in 3D, which was a Martin Scorsese film. Oh, Hugo. Oh, right. Which, which was actually kind of cool, I got to say. I, I have to say... I was kind of at the moment. Now, if I go back and watch it again, I might have a different opinion at this point in, in, in retrospect. Avatar. Okay. The original, the original Avatar, I thought, was quite effective as a 3D film. I really, I didn't even like the the story. You forget about it. But like the actual effects, I was right. like, this is kind of cool. This is yeah. kind of cool. How yeah. about you, Josh? You 3D? know what? <laughs> My favorite 3D movie, actually, it's really hard to find it anymore is um you two made a 3d concert film do you remember this no it was called u2 3d and i saw it uh at a, a special screening at a huge at the huge multiplex near us the king of prussia mall which is the biggest mall in america or it, it, yeah. or the second yep. biggest yep and as far as i know it hasn't released been released in any other kind of medium huh. but the technology was incredible so it felt like you were in the crowd mm-hmm. for the show oh wow u2 3d it was amazing. That that was my best 3D film experience. I like so, it. Know. I like yeah. it a lot. Um, how about this one? 2Y2D. Does it enter your vision like a 3D gem? Does it does it does it encompass you? Does it feel like real life? What's happening in this track? I dig it. I dig it in a 3D kind of way. I back to my thesis about the horns. Right off the top, what was this proud Mary? Right. Yeah, like a proud right. Mary influence Seriously. breakdown in the beginning. You're like, wow, this guy's really maybe he's really pointing back to that 60s, 70s soul on this album. Let's see if that's true as we move on to the other tracks. So that was noticeable to me, that very, very proud Mary inspired beginning with the horns. A little surprise flute, the little flute that kind of holds the rhythm, kind of does yep. goes in and out, kind of does the thing. I love the horns throughout the song. I love the acoustic claps, the actual hand claps that happen in here. Yep. So like I made a the, note of that too. Yeah. So to the folks talking about this being more of an organic, it's quite interesting, interesting to me. I don't understand why he felt like he had to do sort of hit and run phase one, phase two thing. They're so, so different than each other, right? The whole approach to the albums are so different. We had that super electronic version of one, and this is, seems like more organic recording than than certainly one was yeah i like the one line she's got a kick drum brain full of technology i thought that was a cool yeah. little line that he threw in there and then i really liked at the end where he just kind of does that repeat of old enough to do you old enough to do you part i just thought that was a catchy thing so is it like my favorite print song of all time yes it is it's absolutely my favorite <laughs> no. but i fully all because i knew where i was going news, with this folks. <laughs> breaking news breaking news uh no so this yeah this is i like it 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 moves the thesis forward. It's not a pop standout for me, but it, it's 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 a nice enough listen. Is where I head with this. How about you? Yeah, you know, not dissimilar. I was sort of much like yourself. I was struck by all of the sounds in it. Yeah, yeah, good point. Claps, the horns, the keyboards, different kinds of keyboards, the guitar, the flute, that flute in there, yeah, very full, full sound, very full sound. Um, it's busy. But I think on the whole, it's put together pretty well. 
Um, it's a strange little jigsaw puzzle of a song, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the line, her legs so long, she never climbs stairs. I think that's pretty great. <laughs> I think that's a pretty funny line. Yes. Um, and this is, a, this is one that I think it grows on me the more I listen to it. All those sounds to explore makes it kind of interesting. And in particular, that electric piano. And you know, I'm a big fan of the electric mm, piano. Mm, mm. That in particular, I like a lot. So I'm here for 2Y2D. I think it's pretty good. All right, cool. Let's move on to the next track. It's called Look at Me, Please don't Look at You. Too Ill of Me. It's all that I can do. Not to feel myself when I look at you. Jared. Edward. Yes. So, Jared, were you a big fan? Uh, are you have many mirrors in the house? Are you someone who throws a lot of reflection are you about that do you have a lot of well ed you know i i think it's just safety first to have a lot of mirrors because you never know when vampires are going to come by how are you going to know without the mirrors to help you out that is such a good point that's Um, just defense 101 buddy that's just well i never i I never invite someone into the house do you know what i'm saying that's what that's my my security protocol you're you're asking for trouble right away because you have to be invited in you have to be invited in as a vampire yeah but you know what see because now see as you know ed I live with someone. I don't know who Chrissy's going to bring into the house. I don't know. I don't know if she's taking those kinds of precautions. So mirrors everywhere. Can I tell you, you just, this conversation is so relevant to me at the moment because I was heading out today. This is not a lie, folks. Driving on Interstate 81 here in Pennsylvania, trying to get to a location. In the right lane was a truck, Pennsylvania plate. A gentleman was holding, and maybe this is the reason, was holding out the window, his arm fully outstretched. A, a cross was driving on an interstate highway going 60 miles an hour. And he, it wasn't like he just temporarily did it. It was there for the, I saw him pass because I was coming on off an on-ramp or onto the highway. He just had this thing fully stretched out and was just driving along. With so that cross. here's what that question raises for me is that, does that mean, so this is, this was today during today. the day today. Does that mean vampires have learned to live in sunlight? I think that's what we're what we're hearing. This is a this Jesus, is a terrifying is revelation right serious, here. This is serious business. Wow, well, I don't know. I'm sorry to bring the room down here, but that's, that's okay. what I saw. I'm that's just okay. telling you what it's I saw. A lot to think about. It's a lot to think about. This is what I'm telling Daylight you. vampires. Is that also the name of our other band? Daylight vampires. That, that's, that's one not of our bad. and our baseball team as well. The daylight. The vampires. Daylight vampires is not a bad band name. I'm just saying it's not. Okay. It's not. Uh, which we should talk about this song though. What, what do you think about this? Is this uh, terrifying to you? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know where to go with it. I just sort of live in a state of terror most days. No, <laughs> this is the first track that gives my you, and you've heard me talk about this off pod. This gives me this is the track that gives me my overriding theory on this album that it's secretly a Stevie Wonder record. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, more of that flute, more of that electric piano. The electric piano is very Stevie. Even that low vocalization at the top, that that's very yep. Stevie Wonder. Yep. I mean, as we know, this song name drops Stevie Wonder. It sure right? does. We've got, we've got the line, even Ray Charles can see you and Stevie Wonder can too, which is also kind of funny. Yep. And we get that deep, melodic sax solo. I dig it a lot. There, There's, there's a low groove to this song mm-hmm. that appeals to me. It's like, it's like pure FM radio 1983. Hmm. That's what this one is to me. 
Gotcha. Um, that, so that's where I'm at. I kind of dig it. What about you? No, I dig it too. Uh, sign me up. I just, I wrote nice breezy mofo. This is, and I'm with you. It's very Stevie wonder influenced. Yes. Great, great use of the keys. The, the piano work on here, the keyboard work is great. Wonderful jazz chords. So like very Stevie ish kind of transitions, um, that you would expect in like songs in the key of life or other albums that you, that you might be familiar with from Stevie's catalog. Yep. And just like some of the other tracks we just talked about, this one, it, it doesn't, oh, I don't want to say this. It doesn't pulse. It doesn't pop, but it just comfortably kind of comfortably and confidently just chugs along. Yes. There's a nice bottom here. The bass just kind of this nicely plays through. It's not standout, but it, it just, it's just comfortable. You get into this nice groove with it. I wrote the line about even Ray Charles can see Stevie Wonder can too, which I think is a very funny line. We, you just mentioned that earlier. And then I wrote, you kind of expect a sax solo here, right? Because it does yeah, feel like yeah. it's an early 80s, maybe yeah, well coming said. over 70 80s track. But it, it happens in such a way that it's softly underplayed and in different kind of sense to it. That doesn't feel like that cheesy sax solo that everyone kind of refers to in the 80s, that 80s right. sound. It's yes. it's a different kind of sound. It's a little more soulful, a little more considered. Yeah, I'm a fan. I, this is another kind of check check the song off. I like this song as well. So uh, yeah, we're we're marching right along here. We're marching right along, right into track number five. This is titled "Stare." Now, Ed, let me ask you. Would you please? And I don't know that we've talked about this before, but I feel like now is the time. Escalator or stairs? I use, mm, this, this is, I'm showing my age here. I used to be, all be about the stairs. Like, don't take the escalator, take the stairs. Yeah. Now I, I kind of, especially if I'm, I have some luggage with me. Jump on that escalator and just let it sit there. You know? So, so by extension, are you the guy who gets on the rolling sidewalk in the airport too? I do, and I like to walk on it, so it looks like I'm going in hyper fast speed, <laughs> which is fun. Which is fun. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I like to I like to look over and glance over to the folks walking without the yeah, and I'm like, I like am look at me dusting by them. these I people, am dusting you. I am dusting those people. Forget about it. In my rearview mirror. How about this stair? Do you want to climb this stair? Oh, the bass in this song. Forget about it. Forget about it. Forget about it. Oh, my goodness. From the very first note that's plucked on that bass, I'm like, okay. I <laughs> Buckle up, my friends. This is going to be a little bit of a ride, and it is a fun, fun ride. That bass is insane. This, this is one of his best bass songs. I'm, I'll just say it flatly. Like, in terms of a song featuring bass, like this is one, at least in this top two or three, I would say. It it drives the entire track. And the lyrics are fun. They're so fun. Him talking, referring back to his past about being on stage with his underwear and he likes yep. people staring. He wants people to continue to stare, but in a different way. Like I love, I just love the whole vibe of this track. It gets you from the very first note. There's amazing harmonies in here, like that he's doing the, those Prince layered harmonies. Beautiful. And I know you're going to mention this. I have to mention it as well. How fun the way he says, can I get a kiss? And of course, the guitar from Kiss comes in. So good. Exactly. It sounded exactly like that. And <laughs> <laughs> the, 
<laughs> or that was Beaker from the Muppets. One of the two things was happening there. The uh, and then and then just moments after that, uh, bringing in the, the the Kiss guitar, he references Sexy Dancer, Sexy Dancer, yeah, which is fantastic. And, and then these horn guys, I can't with these horns. These horns are so good, yeah. so good, yeah. And I love the way he he's he's layering the verse with first things first, second things first, last things last. I love yeah. that intro to each of the different verses. Love the fake out ending. He's like, I'm going to like, we're going to do this thing. We're going to talk about the past and then it fades out and then it comes back in. And the horns just come in and explode. Uh, you might tell it from my review. I fucking love this track. <laughs> I think it's it's a stellar, stellar track. How about you? Well, like much like yourself, the first thing I wrote in all caps was let's go with that bass, son. Oh, for sure. Come on now with that bass. Oh, my goodness. Um, yes. It's a jam right away. And and much like you, I'm digging the lyrics here right away. First things first, we'd like you to stare. We used to go on stage in our underwear. Yep. You know, the dirty mind era, you know, all that getting all the tension they could, as you said. And then we changed up, got a brand new beat, which is really his whole career after that. Sure. Um, I am. I'm going to be retreading some of the ground you just covered, but I, I just want to say I I really like stare, too. And I think it's fascinating because of its self-referential nature, mm-hmm. because of the Kiss guitar riff, because of the references to Sexy Dancer, and and given the throwbacks we heard earlier on this album and with Hit and Run Phase One on on Million Dollar Show, you know, it definitely feels like it's. I mean, this is all in retrospect, but he is doing some career. You know, he's looking back. Uh, you know, um, and I think there. I don't know. It's just interesting to think about where he was in his mind and in his heart that was compelling him on his last two records to make so many references to his past. I think that's just really interesting. And also, Ed, to your point, that lyric where he says, I'd rather let the music talk while you and me walk into the past. Yeah. You know, I don't want to talk about my past. We can listen to my past. Yeah. And there's something really, really fascinating about that. And again, much like you, the way that that middle eight sort of takes that interesting turn sonically, whereas it, as it sort of fades out and then boom, that bass and horns come popping back in and out. Not only do I really like this track, it is just a curiosity to me. I'm just fascinated by it. Um, so yeah, this is, I, yeah, it's a standout. No, and I'm with you. And, 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 and that's the thing I think that's just genius about this track, because, you know, you could get lost in the sentimental sentimentality of like you know reflecting back on yeah, yeah, exactly. and being all like whatever about it he does this in a, such an interesting way here where he he certainly references it he takes really fun referencing to it but he does in a way where he's like where i take away from this is remember how bad i was i'm still motherfucking bad and i'm gonna yeah, be yeah. even badder in the future that's that's kind of why i think this song is so genius because not just like let me reference the past and just play something it's like i'm gonna play something that's still so forward thinking um, that, you know, you don't live in the past, even though I'm talking about the past. I, yes. About that, that I, that I dig about that, that song. Agreed. 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 So the next track, let's get on with it. It's called Extra Lovable. Call me up, Would you agree? Can someone be too lovable? Like, is there a triple X lovable? Like, is there going to be like sizes of lovable that you're going to be like, it doesn't fit me. I can't do it. It's too much. And Intriguing. I, I don't know if this is the forum, but I struggle in my feelings about this towards you every day. You are 
you are so lovable. It's extra lovable. <laughs> it's triple extra lovable. And the triple X, you know, that it's just, it's hard. It's hard for me to, to contain, to manage my love for you because you're so lovable, you know? Listen, I'm proud to be a plus size lovable. And uh, I always, always will be. <laughs> always will be. That's right. That's right. Uh, Jerry, what about this this song? Like, do you feel like there's extra love for this track in your mind? I, you know what? It's funny. You know, a lot of the reviews were mentioning this one in particular. This is not a favorite of mine. I mean, oh, it, well, I, well. Let me just say, let me just sort of let me speak on it first. Sure. Obviously, this also has a 1983 FM radio vibe because it was written back then. That's when yeah. the song came from that era. Yep. Especially that thick bass. It has almost like a springy, bouncy kind of tone to it. Uh, very much of that era. Um, I wrote down his lyric, you know, don't you want to take a bath with me? Man, does he love taking baths? He does. He's he a very taking, clean person. He's, he's very, very clean. clean. Cleanliness is next to godliness. And he likes his ladies to get in the bathtub with him. And he's saving um, water all at the same time. You're saving water. It's environmentally water. friendly. Absolutely. Eco-conscious. Yes. This tune has a nice little swing to it. And those horns really add to that. Um, And there's at least, I mean, I, I don't know. There's f- at least four different horn lines. Echoed by the the yeah. keyboard and the synths, you know, and I enjoy that. This has a, you know, it has a kind of a, to me, a disco dance floor kind of groove, and you can feel its history, given mm-hmm. the era it was written in. Yep. Um, I think this would have fit nicely back on Prince or Dirty Mind, even, uh, especially given the weirdo breakdown at the end, which is my favorite part, mm-hmm. that extended coda, which is so Prince back in the day, you know? Um, yep. and, and, and if this album, is a retrospective in a way that it makes sense that there would be a song here that comes from an earlier part of his career as part mm-hmm. of that reflecting. Mm-hmm. So I, I like it fine. It's not that I don't like it. I, I like it just fine, but I think it, it, um, what am, I'm, I'm trying to articulate my feelings on it. Why I'm sort of a little reticent about it. I think maybe because it is an actual artifact from the past rather than a reflection of the past. I maybe that's saying. maybe that's what it is. But I don't dislike it. I don't dislike okay. it. Okay. How about you? What are you thinking about this one? Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to talk about this. I had a different take. I I and it's funny, Jared. I'm really familiar with the bootleg, the original recording of this. Back yeah, of course you are. Of course. Yeah. So it was hard because I know it so well. And at first, when I started listening to this, I was like, nah, nah, nah. That that original version pops. It's raw. It's great. This is too smoothed out. It's too slickly produced, slick, you know, produced in a slick way. But I have to say, after a number of listens to it, I really like this version. I really, it really grew on me over time. And it's honestly, it's those horns. It's the, there's not this type of the horns happening on that first version. This is back when Prince was doing this, the horns on synths, right? The percussion on this is great. I like the, the the conga that's being used in here and some of that hand drumming. It's just a dirty, slinky, funky thing. And the chorus, I just think this chorus cooks. It still retains the the the, the way this runs and it's so catchy. Wonderful. The drumming on it's great. There's sort of the stutter effect. And I forget. I know John Blackwell did some drums on some tracks, and I think Michael Bland did maybe one of the tracks. I think this is a Blackwell track. It's great. It's just, it's just absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. That stutter drum mixed with that bass drum programming that's in there. That do do do. It's really great. And then these, the horns just take over the song. It's, 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 it's so good. 
when he says, I think you better shut the door. And, and that long outro to your point where the horns just go, they're all over. It's like, it's, it's like watching vines grow up a, a building the way they're kind of going up and extending and it's, it's fabulous. So I am a big fan of extra lovable. Excellent. That's extra good of you. I like it. Well, let's move on to the next track on Hit and Run Phase 2. This is track number seven. This is titled Groovy Potential. It's no time for sleeping Cause the night is so young Can't you hear the sound? It's time to get up, get up, get up. And here's a topic I don't think we've broached as of yet on the pod. Um, And I hope it won't be too controversial. But um, where do you stand on gravy? Are you a gravy fan? Gravy on your potatoes? Do you like turkey gravy? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Every every week when we kind of debrief on the pod, we say, when are we going to talk about gravy? I know. We just we keep every. I know. It's about time. I'm just, it's never too late. Where do I stand on gravy? Where uh, do you stand I, on it? I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the gravy. Uh, I really like the gravy a lot. Um, I'm not sure. Is there a certain type of gravy that you're particularly fond of, Jared? First of all, do you even like gravy at all? I don't even know. I'm making assumptions here. I love gravy. Um, I don't eat it a lot because otherwise I would be dead. Right. I mean, let's just, there's that, there's that, but I love gravy. Um, I really love gravy, French fries, like brown gravy on French fries. I'm not a huge fan of that though. I have to say that's what, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Why are you not a fan of that? I just don't like it. I don't think it tastes particularly great. You're insane. What do you like it on mashed potatoes? I do, but it's a texture thing. It's a texture thing for me. So gravy on already kind of soft mashed potatoes is a thing, but on crispy fries, I want crispy fries. And I, I and I don't make any excuses for that, and I'm proud to say it. Okay. I don't even know what to I don't even know what to say. Um like the podcast has come to an end. <laughs> it's come to it's come to a close. Our partnership um, is over. Well, Ed, I can't really talk about this anymore because I think it's very upsetting that you don't like gravy. That's fair. That's so, fair. That's fair. Let's not. So let's, let's not. talk about the groovy potential of this song. Mm-hmm. Does it have the potential? Does it reach its potential? Does it fall short? Where are you on this? Oh, it has some potential, this song. Yeah. And it's groovy. It's groovy and it's gravy. <laughs> and it's groovy. Now, some simple keyboards to start. Nice little finger snap rhythm going on. Nice. And then a nice buildup. What I really dig about this song in, in the structure of it is it has sort of fairly mellow verses. They're pretty, uh, how, how do I describe this? Mellow, probably, <laughs> would be the best way. But they're mellow, and then it builds up to sort of an explosion of instrumentation. Like, it, it builds up, and then it explodes, and there's all this sound and the horns, and then it goes back and back to this easy groove again. So I love this tension. There's like a tension and release that's already built in to the song. So I think it works well because it's it's all about this tension of having this groovy. Do you do we think we have this groovy potential? Are we going to move forward with this groovy potential? So where we talked earlier about maybe sometimes Prince's music doesn't 
uh, support the 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 uh, verses or the lyrics of the track. This one does to a T. It it really fulfills the mission of what's happening in the song. There's some uh, there's a nice there's a nice breakdown too at the midpoint or towards the latter part of the song. Some guitar picking that happens. The bass comes back in. Uh, it's it's solid. It's so good, so fresh. I love his line about your love is a movie. I know my part. I learned my lines. I'm ready to play the part. I really dig that. And there's some really great guitar, little chicken grease and horn chili sauce at the back end that again, that he pulls in that there's some really fun outros and instrumentation here that I don't think I've heard as good since the, probably the rainbow children in, in 2000, like there's some really great stretching of the material, but not, but there's always something interesting happening with the, with the instruments. So I'm a big fan. I, I really like Ruby potential. How about you? Yeah. I, so I, I'm going to start off this way. I feel like it starts off and it's it's fairly standard when it starts for a while. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. Like I actually sort of I really like the phrase we've got a groovy potential. I think that's a cool idea. It's charming, it's kind of sweet. But then three minutes in, that's where this track takes off. That's when it becomes something more to me. I wrote down the same lines that you do, as we always do, your body's a movie, et cetera, et cetera. I loved all that. Really great. But the song then takes on this more ethereal kind of spacey vibe it floats yeah. all of a sudden yeah right with these little guitar licks and bass notes here and there until it kicks into another to my ear stevie wonder like groove like almost sir duke style but darker mm. not mm -hmm. as joyful um i think it's really really great i really like groovy potential a lot nice. it's a it's a sneak attack of a song yeah i think it's a sneak attack it's got a much stronger finish than maybe how it starts and it catches you by surprise and i like that about it Love it. Love it. All right. Let's move on. Let's see what this next song has in store for all of us. It's called When She Comes. When She Comes. The house is always a mess. She's cool, nevertheless. Here's why. Here's why. She remains, as we say. A sweet bird of prey She flies And she's satisfied away Chair, this is a question I think you were expecting to hear With the title, When She Comes Are you more, what's more important in a relationship? Is it taking someone for the departure of, an, of a, a train, like say a plane trip or when they come back, when they arrive, the arrival or departure at an airport, is there, is there a, a more important of the two or are they e equally important in a relationship? Oh man, you, this, this is a fastball you're throwing. I, I think had to. Um, coming with the heat. You're coming with the heat. I think I'd be curious what our listeners have to say on this particular question. I think being there for the arrival is more important than the departure. I think, I mean, I think both are important. I think if you can, if you can do both, that's great. But I think being there to welcome someone home is better than sending them away. I think that's bigger. I shouldn't say better, but it's bigger. It carries more weight. I think. And I cannot disagree with you. I think that's absolutely true. I think welcoming someone home carries so much more importance than kicking them out of the city to get the hell out and go wherever the fuck they're going. I agree. I agree, which is why I'm pretty upset with you that you weren't there when I got home from Las Vegas. I thought you would be there at the airport and you weren't. I mean, it's fine. Oh, you're back? It's. 
just got back today. Yep. <laughs> so let's th- let's have a departure from this conversation. Talk about when she comes. What do you think about this one? Well, this is an interesting little creature of a song, right? It, it was originally recorded for Welcome to America, which you know was finally released. This version, and Ed, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the Welcome to America version. I'm guessing you are, but not this, so much. Okay. This version has a much more languid feel, like steamy, hot August nights. The yeah. Welcome to America version is brighter. It's a little sharper, a little more angular. This version drips like candle wax onto the floor, I think. Mm. Um, plus, as mentioned in one of the reviews, there's that charming and unexpected bit of accordion. Uh, a little heard instrument in Prince's catalog, a little, a little accordion. Right. Right. Um, it's a, a curious feature about this one is that there isn't really a chorus, right? It's just right. a verse that ends in the same phrase when she comes. I like it, though. I like both versions, actually. Uh, but I, I am enjoying how this one has a, a slightly darker tone, especially at the end with those three little synth notes that pop at the end. Giving a little hint of mystery, yeah. Um, so I like it. I like when she comes. I, I, it's, a, it's a, like I said, it's an interesting little animal of the song. What about you? What do you think of it? Yeah, I, I like it. It, it, it reminds me of some other songs we've heard in the past from him, and not, not too far in the past from, from Prince, which is things like "Satisfied on the Couch," that type of almost Otis Redding style. And this one even more so. I think there's even more of an Otis '60s feel to this one. With the with the organ, the keyboards, the horn arrangement, all that stuff. So I do I do dig it. I dig the style generally. I love some of the lines here. Sweet bird of prey and she flies. Yeah. Psychedelic cabaret in his mind. It's good. His vocal is really good. Um, he's running up and down the scales. I almost feel this is Prince out D'Angelo-ing D'Angelo <laughs> with this track. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and in a weird way, like, this is the thing that I think is different than Satisfied and On the Couch. You know, Satisfied is just, you know, straightforward burner. On the Couch has a, a lot of humor in it. This one, there's a melancholy to it. it. For some weird reason to me, I don't know if you were hearing this when you were listening to it. It reminds me in some weird way, and I don't even know why I felt this, of the the, the Beatles song, She's Leaving Home. Oh, interesting. Oh, I, I don't, interesting. I don't know why, but it does. I don't know how, why that song popped in my head as as i was doing this on repeat listen but it really did for some reason so i wonder if it's because of that accordion maybe it's the accordion play you know, yeah there, that, that there, me, there's yeah. not an accord i don't i don't think there's an accordion and she's leaving home but there is a harpsichord and may, that, maybe that's what it is then maybe yeah. it's that harpsichord that i'm i'm hearing echoing in yeah. my own head so it just reminds me of that so yeah I, i'm a fan i think it's i think it's a good track it's a solid track I don't even know if it's my favorite out of the three I mentioned, but I, I do I do dig it. I think it's it's a solid it's a solid effort for sure. Yeah, agreed. All right. Well, here we come to track number nine on Hit and Run Phase Two. This is titled Screwdriver. And I was thinking, there's a lot of ways I could go here with screwdriver. But I was thinking about this. Yeah. I was thinking about this. Yeah. 
I know you're you're certainly not by any stretch of the imagination a heavy drinker by any means. No, no, no. But are you a cocktail fan? And if so, mm. have you ever had a screwdriver? And is it a thumbs up or thumbs down if you've had one? I don't think I've ever had a screwdriver, frankly. Okay. I have no interest in that. It's, that's orange orange juice and vodka? Is that what that is? I, I have no idea. I don't I know. Think it is. I, I, is that what it is? I'm I not even sure. But I, but Do I'm you have a cocktail of choice? Uh, I, you know me, I, I drink a little whiskey on the rocks. I'm pretty straightforward yeah. and it's pretty simple with it. But I wanted to say this because it just gave me a nice opportunity to mention I was in New York last weekend and went to this co- bar called the Woo Woo Bar in Manhattan, which I recommend. It's a beautiful place down in the basement. Very 80s themed. And guess what drink I had uh, multiple times? You'll never guess because why would you know? Something they have something called Purple Rain. Oh, really? Which was like a weird mix of like lemongrass and gin and all this stuff. But there was like a purple ice cube sitting in the middle of it. That's all cool. This glitter around it. And I had a couple of those and that they were good. I have to say. Oh, so All right. The purple. So, rain. Uh, there you are. Now, you don't drink. Jared, you just don't drink. Period. I but, don't drink. No, so, I don't drink. I'm not, not a drinker. Not for that. OK, well, that's where this conversation stops. <laughs> yeah, I have had some good mocktails, though. OK, you want to give a fave? Uh, I, I don't remember the names of any of them, <laughs> so I'm not really, this is, I'm not doing well on this one. It's all good. It's all good. What do you think of this screwdriver? Do you want to sip it? Do you want to swallow it whole? What do you want to do with it? Well, I think this is a really nice change of pace. I, I usually, and I have to own up to this. I usually don't care for these types of straightforward rock tracks from, from Prince. Yeah. But this one gets me. I don't know if it's just if I don't know if it's a sequencing and like I've heard a bunch of different soul inspired tracks and now I have a little bit of a, just a straightforward rocker and the the change is just very welcome to my ears but I kind of dig it I love the harmonies I love the rhythm of the lyrics yeah it's very driving very T Rex feel to it which I dig or the band Kiss from the seventies so there's there's this sort of, this sort of like this rock I just I just like it. And there's a great little line. I just, I just think that's a fun little line. I'm, I'm your driver. You're my screw. I think it's fun. I love his voice. It's very gruff. It's very rough. It's perfect for the song. This is the song. This is, this is how I summarize this. It's surprising that at first it doesn't have really a guitar solo in it for as rock oriented as it is. It, it has some really nice drums. I like the hook. There is a Prince solo at the very t- back end. He kind of does his, his yeah. whale, which you, you, you kind of want that to happen. This is the song, the song guitar. Remember guitar? I the do. song guitar. This is the song guitar wishes it could hang out with. Like guitar wishes it could hang out with a song this cool, but it can't. So this is this for me. This one, this one works okay. How about you? Well, I, first of all, I'm a fan of guitar, but we'll let that slide for now. I, I, I do think that this is this this is the biggest showcase for his guitar on the record thus far yeah um not only with that little solo at the end but just the riffing uh because as you as you said rightly this is a straight up rock song clearly up and down and you know what it sounded like to me rather than t-rex or kiss it actually sounded like a Cars song it had okay. sort of, to me to me it had sort of an, a a new wave kind of feel to it hmm. um and buried something i really like buried really low in the mix really low there is a charming acoustic riff in there. Did you hear that? No, I don't think so. No, Mm-mm. there is one in there that's really low. You have to sort of even concentrate to hear it, but it gives it a slight, a very slight little folk flavor to it, which is welcome to my ear. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some fun keyboard noodling in there too, as well, which I'm enjoying. Uh, it, the lyrics are fine. I mean, they're, it's not very complex lyrically. No, you no, know? but it make. But that's okay. It makes its point. It makes its point. That it does. Um, 
I, you know, it's interesting. You said, I'm trying to reflect on what you said about how it's a welcome change of pace that it, it, you know, we haven't heard anything like this on the record before. Yeah. And I will tell you that on my first, at least my first few listens on it, 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 I found it a little jarring. I was was waiting for you to say that. Yeah. 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 To me, it was a little jarring. Now, again, to be clear, I'm not sure that I, I don't know that I necessarily dislike it. I think I like it fine. But I'm not sure how I feel about the sequencing of it. So Okay, that's a fair, fair statement. All right, cool. Well, let's move on. The next track on Hit and Run Phase 2, Black News. to muse a little bit you do some musings are you um yeah i can muse who's your favorite muser is that, is that even the right way to say that who, who do you like who does some musing that you follow maybe on the uh the x or other twitters or other types of things just like a thinker in general yeah i think maybe comes up with some profound thoughts for you that maybe reflect on and maybe helps helps guide you in your path of this crazy life well you know what i i have two answers one is I'm a big fan. He just died not that long ago of a Vietnamese Buddhist monk named Thich Nhat Hanh. Familiar with him? Yes, he's wonderful. A, he's a great thinker who wrote on meditation and mindfulness in a way that I found very appealing. I used to be a fan, and now I am less so, of Malcolm Gladwell. Oh yeah, yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah, you know yeah. the sort of intellectual science writer and. Sometimes I really love what he has to say. And sometimes I'm like, are you kind of just blowing smoke up my ass? Mm. You know, like, I, I'm not sure. Like, sometimes I, sometimes Malcolm says some stuff. I'm like, I'm not really sure that that's true what you're saying. But he's an interesting thinker. Like, he's always, he's he's actively thinking all the time. And I think yeah. there's probably something to be said for that. How about you? Are there some muses that muse that, that muse you? Are you amused by those muses? Am Whoa. I a clown? What am I, a clown? Do I amuse? I'm funny? You think I'm funny? Oh my God, you should be an actor. I like it. Um, yeah, that was really good. It was good. Really good stuff. The Yeah, some of the folks you mentioned, I certainly listened to somebody named the Dalai Lama at times. There was a big Dolly show in Philly at the Art Museum. Oh, yeah, I was at I, I worked that show. There you go. So I had wanted to do some type of weird show that was inspired by called Dalai Lama. There's just going to be absurdist sketch. With like <laughs> lobster phones and, and llamas and yeah, Dolly <laughs> and all that stuff and whatever. Anyway, um, the one guy I, I will recommend this if you guys need something to just maybe check out on YouTube. There's a gentleman named Sadhguru, S-A-D-H-G-U-R-U, and he has a bunch of little talks and questions and answers. And I like him. He's he's very funny, um, Indian um, guru. Um, and I think some of his he's very simplistic uh, and very simple in the way he expresses his ideas. And I, I kind of dig it is to the point. And he's and he does it with a lot of humor. So. If you're looking for someone else to check out, I could certainly recommend him to at least give him a give him a listen. All right, there you go. I like it. I like. Now, it. speaking of giving things a listen, you listen to the Black Muse. Is this something you would listen to over and over again and go back to? It is. It oh is. Oh my god. Oh my god. I will say straight up that this is a standout track for me. Oh, um, let's talk about it. First of all, the bass line here is almost like Talking Heads like to me. Mm. More of a more of that new wave kind of sound, but then. 
when the electric piano kicks in, it's another straight up Stevie Wonder song. In fact, given its message with lyrics like, I really like the faces on the mountains and a dirty seas, a trillion dollar bill and no currency really echoes for me. You haven't done nothing by Stevie. Oh, okay. Um, not that that's a much more aggressive sort of tone, yeah. but messaging, it feels very similar to me. Yeah. Um, this is a, this is a complex song. It's got different sections with different, different rhythms and feels, but it comes together for me in the end as a song of hope and strength. Uh, and I think it's got a great vibe. This is, as I said, this is a standout for me, Black Muse. I really like it a lot. How about you? No, it's a good one. Uh, how about some really great bass to start? Like you mentioned, it's funny. My my take on the bass and how it was played it re- it reminds me of Larry Graham, yeah, a kind of thumping Larry Graham bass, and I think that you're hearing that a lot throughout this this album. Light, catchy, soulful sing along is the way I, I was kind of describing it. Horns, of course, on point. I like the shared vocal he has with the ladies, the the backup singers. I like they're sharing the vocal here. I also think it's interesting that he's sharing a vocal because the content of the song, which is about having a like a black muse, it's pretty on point. It feels a little less preachy if it's not just Prince singing it. Does that make sense? Because it's it like does. a group of people yes. singing it. And I feel it like sometimes he can be a little preachy uh, in the latter part of his career. And that kind of takes away that an element here with the way he approached the vocal. I love his rock and roll and jazz. So, you know, it's built to last. It's cool. The great rhythm guitar. And like you said, that jazz break. And that oh, keyboard, man. it's Stevie Wonder. Oh, like that's that's songs in the key of life stuff. A new day is dawning like. That's whole, that's so Stevie inspired. Like it's 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 wonderful. Then I love the confidence he has as we get into the latter part of the song. This is a long one. He says, "Now that I got your attention." Yeah. After he does that long musical break, which I'm like, "Okay, you, dude, you know you're on here. You know you're on." And then he does that thousand lights light years from here, which again yep. has a nice build and it's so Stevie Wonder esque. Yes. In it. Very much so. Such confidence. No yesterday, tomorrow. I love the two unbroken circles joined together make a butterfly. Yep. Ah, this is rainbow children level of material here in my mind. Like this I is, agree. I this agree. is, this is a standout. I'm with you. This is a really great track. I agree. I agree. It is. All right. So then we move on to track number 11 and the penultimate track. Oh, I know what that means. Yeah, go ahead. The penultimate track of Prince's final studio album released in his lifetime. Jeez, wow, Black David. Woo, I just throw a black black cloak over all this whole stuff. I know. This one is titled Revelation. history of knowing each other if we've ever discussed magic sadly no sleight of hand illusion illusion that we had those two things we have but not magic generally no yeah yeah where are you where do you stand on your david copperfields your doug hennings your pen and tellers as they you know perform their magic tricks which by default necessitate revelation yes it's true are you a fan do you not care you're david blaine's of the world where where are you with that it's funny i i have an appreciation for it but i'm not a big follower of magicians 
I get caught up in sort of the hype of it, right? When you have like folks saying, we're going to make the Statue of Liberty disappear or the, right. or yeah. right. Like all of India, the whole population will be gone for 25 minutes. So, you know, the entire uh, population of India gone <laughs> just for 25 minutes. That's, that's not get great. They'll be uh, so, but I don't like, I don't, I don't follow. And I always enjoyed Penn and Teller. Like when they would have, I might watch a little bit of it, but I won't watch like a full show of Penn and Teller. I right. might watch a portion of it or when they guest on uh, West Wing. So right. yeah, I'm not, I can appreciate it. And I try to, it's funny. I tried to force myself to like it more because certain people I really respect were really into magic, like Orson Welles, for example. He was, he loved it. He Orson loved Welles magic. Loved he loved sleight of hand. And and I can't say Woody Allen because you can't, but like certain people really <laughs> love that stuff. and. But I just I don't I don't quite follow I don't follow it by any means. I might if there's something passing, I'm like, oh, let's see what how this trick is done. But I don't go out and see magic shows or anything like that. Right. Yeah. And you? Same. I, I I'm I'm exactly yeah. the same. Like I don't really follow it. Um, it's not something I go and seek out. If I see something like I when I was when I was a kid, my my mom took my brother and I to see David Copperfield, and it was great because I was yeah. twelve and I sure. was totally enamored by it. Sure. Um. I do remember seeing, I watched a bunch of those, uh, I'm sure you've probably seen them, Ed, like some of those David Blaine, you know, specials. With celebrities, and stuff. yeah, doing the celebrities. Thing. Yeah. I do love, have you seen that one with Harrison Ford? I don't think so. Oh, so he punches him or something? Wait, no, no, he, no, it's, 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 it's actually, it's a pretty great, it's a card trick that's really great. Okay. He's in, uh, he's in Harrison Ford's house. He's in the kitchen. Yeah. And he gives Harrison Ford a deck of cards. Okay, Harrison, shuffle the deck, pick out a card. Okay. Put it back in the deck. Okay, Harrison does. And uh, uh, David Blaine says to Harrison, like, you know what your card is? Yeah, I know what it is. And David Blaine says, okay, Harrison, there's a bowl of fruit. Your fruit's on the table over there on the island in your kitchen. And Harrison Ford's like, yeah. And there's like a, I don't know, there's like a papaya or something. And David Blaine says, could you grab that papaya and cut it open? Oh, no. And he does. And the the card is inside the papaya. And Harrison Ford looks at it and he says to David Blaine, get the fuck out of my house. (laughs) (laughs) That is the only correct response at that point. Yeah. I got to say that trick is pretty. That's a pretty great trick. That's nuts. That's nuts. Anyway. Yeah. Where are you on this revelation? Is it a magic trick? Is it is it is it more the book of revelation? Where are oh. we with this? Oh, interesting. Well, you know, I start listening to this and I think, did someone put the news album? Remember, remember that news album by Prince yes. many years ago? Yeah. That's what it felt like when it starts. I'm like, it's just this instrumental jazz type of dreamy thing. But it, it transforms a bit for me. I do love his vocal. It's very dreamy and it, as it should dreamy. be. And I really like his vocals. I think it might be his best vocal performance on the album is here in Revelation. I think it's it's really it it serves the song really well. And the thing that pops for me in this track, honestly, is it probably has the best guitar solo on the whole album is on Revelation. So it that really breaks through. I know you described, I forget where you described this for what song it was back in one of our other pods about like the clouds parting and the sun breaking through like that. Yeah. That's how I felt about this guitar solo when it kind of came out and, and was introduced. So I really dig it. I love the harmony on future queen. Oh I my God. A, I wrote, I, I made a note of that too. It's yeah. Fantastic. And, and I'll, and I'll go off on a little, on a little aside here because we talked about, uh, I think it was in, um, which album were we talking about this? It was a recent album we, we reviewed about Prince having this sort of Afrocentric 
yes. the view on certain material. This is another example. And I actually did a quick search on this because I was trying to figure out that last line he has. Oh, I thought I wrote it down here. What is that last line? Oh, through English glamour, casting a spell, though, though Hebrew, Greek, and Roman hell, higher till we overstand the color of the Pharaoh's hand. I was just intrigued by that. I didn't know what it meant. Yeah. So he actually printed an interview with Ebony in 2015, talked about, that's about Moses. So he actually yes. talks about this, referencing the biblical book of Exodus, chapter 4, verse 6. According to the passage, God showed Moses miraculous signs, miracles. Yeah. Back to that again. Trickery. Following God's instructions, Moses put his hand in his cloak, pulled it out, and noticed it was leprous like snow. Prince says, what color was it before he put it in? Interesting. So now we could start kicking about that stuff, Prince says. We couldn't do that until you had a black president. Could, couldn't do that until hip hop. But now we can talk about this. So Prince is interpreting this. That people could say he's in, Prince's commentary is about whitewashing biblical figures. Yeah. He's referencing here. So I, I find it very fascinating. So like as a song, it's interesting to me. I don't, I don't know if it's something I would go back and listen to all the time, but I, I certainly an interesting piece to this full puzzle that is hit and run phase two. What did you think about it? Yeah, actually, you know what? I like it a lot. I actually liked it a lot. I, I, I love to me, I really loved what sounded to me like the late night dark of the city vibe to this track. Okay. Uh, lonely, quiet, a little lost, driving through streets where there's no one you know and nothing but the street lights to keep you company. That's that's what I wow. Kept, that's what I kept seeing and hearing yeah. as I listened to this track. Yep. I love the line. If there was ever such a thing as time, it's useless. So useless to me now. Yeah, it's um, a great line that, in it. That's a keeper. And then to your point, when he hits that solo, oh man. That solo is a oh, that's an all timer. Yeah. It's a really, really good guitar solo. Precise but passionate, eager but intentional. It's great, and and much like you, his vocal on this is excellent. And and the the harmony and the note that he hits on Future Queen is oh, impeccable. It's just so impeccable. good, so good. So I actually this one is a standout for me. I really like Revelation a lot. I really like it a lot. Cool. All right. Yeah. We're going to go to the ultimate track on this uh, album, and it's called Big City. Let's make a vow and see the difference. Wherever ever we are, it's a big city. Dirty little hotel room, working on the bar. If everybody's a star, to me, you're the most pretty. I'm in the big city, big city, big city when I'm in your Jared, we'll get right to the point. Big city, small town. What's your preference? Let's talk about it. I like the city. All right, done. I like a city. I like a city where there's options, where there's things to do, where there's places to eat, where there's things to see. Um, I grew up in a small town, Ed, much like yourself. And I don't hate on small towns. Yeah. No, but uh, I, I like I live in a city now and I like living in a city. Yeah, I was born in a small town. I can breathe in a small town. Um I can die in a small town. That's probably good enough for me. Yeah, there it is. We should write a song about it. I, 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 I go back and forth all the time with this, with that question, because I really admire big cities and all of that, all that they offer that you just described very briefly. But I also feel incredibly more, I think I feel more comfortable in small towns 
there's a certain like pace and friendliness that's inherent to those areas that I kind of dig. And it was noticeable to me when I would travel, especially the first time I ever traveled. And that was many, many, many years ago. And I was in Europe and hitting some of the big cities. It was the small towns in the countries that I really dug, not like the Paris and sure. you know, Madrid. It was this oral France and like these little, a littler places that, yeah. that I really took to. Um, but that being said, let's, I want to move to New York. So let's, let's work that out somehow. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Okay, we'll work on that. Yeah. What do you think about this as a closer about this track called Big City? What are you thinking? So I want to make a quick shout out, Ed. Can you please? If if I can. So our old friend. Yeah. Matthew Alexander, Mattie A. Love Mattie A. Go ahead. Let's talk about Mattie A first. We love Mattie A. And, you know, he's a he's a he's a devoted fan and a, a devoted listener to the show. And he made a point to reach out and tell me that this was his favorite track. This is his favorite song. Nice. And how much he loved it. And uh, I got to say, I really like it too. I think, first of all, to me, this is another Stevie Wonder tune. Mm -hmm. But unlike Living in the City, which is a cautionary tale, this is a joyous song. Complete with cityscape sounds, you know, noises, cars, traffic, etc. People, you know, we hear all the cityscape in this. There's a couple of lyrics I really like in this. Um, everything is looking up when you're this low to the ground, for example. Yeah. Low to the and ground. Yeah. I really like wherever we are, it's a big city. Wherever yeah. we are, it's a big city. Yeah. We are yeah. all encompassing. We are joy. We're going to be all right. Yeah. Amen to that. Um, and I think that this is a great sequencing after Revelation, because again, for me, Revelation was this driving alone in the city at night, the sort of late at night city song. And this is the brightness of the day, the brightness of an exciting night out in the city. It's going to be a beautiful night. It's the opposite feeling entirely, full of possibility, full of adventure. So so there's that. Also, those horns, baby, those horns are total Stevie Wonder horns. And I love the guitar solo. It's very brief. It's a very brief solo. But I love it. It's slippery with a little bit of funk on it. It's very welcome. And, you know, I got to say, not to get to whatever, but this is our final statement from Prince. Yeah. And while it's not an epic like Purple Rain or Emancipation or some other all-time epic or gold, which I know you're not a fan of, but, you know, something that's a big intentional closer. Yeah. This puts some joy in my heart. And it makes me wistful, you know. I mm. I don't want to say something that sounds so obvious, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry to see him go. I'm sorry sure. that he's gone. I mean, of course. And the the simple pleasure of this song, the hope that's in it to my ear, makes me even sorrier. Yeah. And given what we know now, it seems like there is no more fitting ending. Then the final two words of this song, his last album, which are, that's it. Mm. I love that. So, so for, you know, there were some, one of those reviews, I maybe was fucking pitchfork. They sort of slammed big city. They can shut the fuck up because (laughs) I, I I like this song. Yeah. It's hopeful. It's joyful. You know, saying wherever we are, it's a big city. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a powerful thing. Yep. And um, 
Yep. That's where I'm at on big city. And again, makes me a little wistful. Makes me a little. I I mean, it's hard to follow what you just said. You said it so well. Um, I love it. I'm a big fan of the song. I think it's a great song too. I love his, all right, you Polaroids. I love the opening. And it's it's been a while for Prince to have an upbeat track like this with with such featured piano in it. Yeah, yeah, which is not usual for him. He has a couple tracks in his catalog that certainly have that, but not a lot. So that's a, that's a new thing. This is that rarity for me with Prince, who sometimes will dip his toe in Broadway material. Yes, we've songs. talked about that over the and years. And yeah. I would say, generally for me, when he does it, it doesn't quite work for me. But this time it does. Yeah, This one really does work. I love his shared vocals on this. Um, and, it, and it has a certain groove and it kind of repeats itself. And that's fine for me. It does have a kind of breakout that has that kind of diamonds and pearls-esque kind of do-do-do-do-do, like Renaissance kind of feel that yeah. kind of goes all over the map. A lot of times that'll take me out of a song. I don't mind it here because I like the change of pace because it comes back. It comes back right after that fierce with that big band groove. Like there's a big band sound here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's like, you, I think you may have said Sir Dukish almost. Uh, yeah. Stevie, the horns are just so, so good. And there's even a little scat that I'm assuming yep. that Shelby does. To, to but what Matt wrote you, and I'm just going to co-sign, you brought it up as well. There's just so much joy in this track. It's just bursting with joy. And, you know, Prince was a small town guy. Let's, let's, be, let's be honest. St. Paul, Minnesota, Minneapolis. It's a city, but it's not a huge city. Let's be honest. It's not. It's a Midwestern right. city. Right. Um, so... Prince enjoyed that space. He always loved Minneapolis, but, and I'm sure, you know, he had his homes in LA. He's been in New York all the time, many times, but I love that. He's like leaning into the whole idea of, I don't need to go to a big city if I'm with you. Like that's, I, right. that, that's, that's what this right. whole song is about. And there's, there's so much joy here. So I'm with you in this respect. And I, and this is probably previewing what I'm going to say about the album. I kind of dig actually that there's not a lot, unless you really are digging for it. There's not a lot in this album that says that he had a sense that he was going to pass away. And I kind of enjoy this album even more so because of that. I love that he was still just living the life and and the joy in this album is, is palpable. And I love the idea that hopefully that's how he felt when he went out, that he was in this, still in this joyous place. He wasn't this sort of this morbid maudlin place as before he passed away, which it, no, there's no indication that was, that was the case, but this album makes me feel hopeful that he left on a high and that he always knew maybe deep down inside that there was an immortality to him because of all the joy and, and, and wonder that he brought into the world while he was here is yeah. present. And I hope that's how he felt when he went out. Um, I don't want to get too into that direction with this particular pod, but um, anyway, so generally, yeah, I love the song. I love this is, and this is the perfect ending of an album for him, especially this album, because it's a show ending Broadway tune, which makes sense. And yeah. it's beautiful. I love it. I, I agree. I agree. So um, let me pause really quickly and say it's five thirty-five, and we both have places we have to be at six. So c- c- how fast can we be Let's efficient? Blow through it. Let's go. Right. Okay. All right. Ed, let's go through our categories. What's your favorite track? Stare. Mine, I think it's Black Muse. I like a lot of these, but I think it's Black yeah. Muse. Yep. What's your least favorite? I hate to say this, but it's probably Baltimore. 
Wow, you are it hurts so. Me to say it. it hurts me to that, say that it. cold black rock. I know. I hate it. I um, hate that I have to say it out loud. But I'm being. I honest. think. I think my least favorite is screwdriver, mostly because I feel like it doesn't necessarily belong in the record. That's terrible. But go ahead. <laughs> What's the most interesting track? Black Muse. Oh, mine was stare. I went. Oh, stare. okay. We just flip flop those. All good. Yeah, we flip flop yeah. those. How about your favorite musical moment? I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and say two. The opening to stare as soon as the bass kicks in, but also, um, black black queen. The, the harmony, the future queen, a future, future queen, queen. I'm sorry. Future queen. Yeah. Sorry, future queen. Mine is much like that. Bass intro on stair is an all timer. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Um, give us your overall thoughts and your it's rating. A, it's a solid album through and through. I, I, it's a nice, even quality. There's not a lot of standouts for me. Stair, probably maybe black muse. It's a rare album for him in this respect. I think it has a focused and consistent sound throughout, particularly the use of those horns. That expanded horn section is a standout for me. This is probably the best use of horns he's had in any album that he's recorded, in my opinion. Yeah. It's that good. It reminds me of some of the tracks that I loved in the Symbol album that it was horn-based, but he kind of made a whole album like that here, which which I really dig. It's hard not to add some gravitas to this because it was his last album. But as I said before, I'm kind of glad listening to this. There's no sense that I can tell he was aware of his mortality when he was recording this. Right. Maybe art. I think artificial age had a better sense of that than this album did. And that was released several years prior. I enjoy the joy that's in this album. That is this album. Songs like black muse, big city, the fun, uh, the forward and backward looking of stare. Like he's looking back in his career and forward in his career and present in his career. And the reimagine of extra lovable. So like all of this tells me this is a joyous one. I love it. It's not like his best album. I don't know if you know if it's his best album of that particular decade. I probably would end up giving about three and a half um, Prince symbols overall. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's definitely an enjoyable. And it's one I want to go back to your point earlier. Like I want to go back and listen to it. There's a lot of little in- intricacies here that I probably haven't picked up on yet. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? I, I'm not dissimilar. I think this is a much stronger album than is generally perceived. I, it's certainly the better of the two hit and runs. I do feel like he must have been digging on Stevie Wonder at the time, listening to a lot of Stevie, and was hoping to recapture some of that feel on this record. I think that this is pretty cohesive without a real clunker in the bunch. Do you right. know what I mean? No clunkers. I, think, I agree with you. I think that alone makes it sort of stand out for me in that regard. Um, not So, yeah, no real clunkers, not in my view anyway. For me... This is a solid, like second tier Prince album. That that's yep. where this sits for me. Yep. You know, it's yep. not it's not a obviously it's not a Purple Rain, Sign of the Times, Gold Experience, etc. But I think this is a really solid second tier record, and I would go so far as to do three and three quarter Prince symbols for Hit and Run Phase Two. That's fair. That's fair. All right, uh, let's do our music. Doo-doo. what you got son did you already do songs in the key of life i didn't i did uh hotter than july all right i'm gonna do songs in the key of life then great folks you probably are aware of this song or the album if you're not i don't know what where you've been for the last uh whatever years years yeah, yeah. It is classic. You got to listen to it. It's amazing. There's so many tracks here that really hint at where Prince goes with this album. Um, if you're not familiar, and of course it has the big hits. I, uh, I wish, uh, Sir Duke's on it. Um, as is as, on that. Yeah. Oh, for God's sake, as, uh, it's, it's just, it's a powerhouse album, folks. If you want to just, as it's getting colder out, sit back, have a cup of tea and listen to it, just, uh, an album through from front, from first song to last and just really get lost in the music. Get songs in the key of life on and enjoy it. 
Yeah, and and I, I'm gonna 100% co-sign that, and I'm also gonna then offer my uh, choice, which is Stevie Wonder's fulfilling this first finale, oh. which is uh, from 1974. Um, that's the album that has Boogie on Reggae Woman's on that oh, track. Good one. Um, but that's the song that has you haven't done nothing on that, which oh, is just a, so good. It, it, you listen, I, 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 everyone who listens to this knows that Stevie Wonder is Stevie Wonder, right? And so. Yeah. You pick any of those 1970s records, you're going to be fine. Oh, yeah. You're not <laughs> if you haven't listened to any of them, Music in My Mind and Talking Book and Inner Visions oh. and like what, blah, 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 and the two records, just any of them, and you'll be fine. Stevie Absolutely. Wonder. Absolutely. Yeah. Stevie Wonder. <laughs> All, All right. right. Uh, Let's move on to. Um, Dig if you will. Oh, Ed, do you dig this picture? No, uh, no. The answer is no. The no. Is Sorry, it, it's as folks as you you're probably aware. It's it's similar to the hit and run phase one, which is that artwork from way back, almost MPG music club stuff. Which is just it, I'm just not a fan of. It's, no, just, neither am I. There's nothing really to say about it except it's not a good album cover. Yeah, unfortunately. But okay, <laughs> moving right. on. Moving on. <laughs> Ed, do you have a question for you? I do. It's a it's a simple one, easy one. Extra lovable. We said it was recorded back in originally in eighty two, I believe. Who did Prince write it for? Excellent. Who did Prince write extra lovable for? People, I just and I don't want to cause a problem, but folks have been a little quiet on this front. I know. I know they have. They've been a little quiet. So if you have answers for these trivia questions, I don't know where our regulars are, but they've been very quiet. Hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Instagram. Email us at whendovespodcast at gmail.com. Yes. And we will shout you out. You know we will. Shout you out loudly. Shout. Shout. Let it all out. These are the sorry. Yep. What are we going to do? Our tears for fears. Oh, companion yeah. pod? Sowing That's the seeds of love, my friend. That's what it's we do every week anytime. here on the podcast. Yeah. Sowing the seeds of love. Yeah, we'll do that soon enough. Tears for fears. Absolutely. Yeah. That'll yep. be a great one. Get your get your handkerchief out for tears for fears. <laughs> uh, folks, hop. we've done it. We we we. It took us a little time, but we did it. And listen, there's more to come. There's We're going to do come. some originals. We're going to do some Welcome to America. We're going to be doing the Live in 85. We're going to be doing Piano, piano microphone. microphone. It's, it's more, more to come, folks. More to come. There's more to come. The journey That's the beauty over. of Prince, right? This, this, his, his legacy is, is really potentially forever, given his the quality of his material and how much more we still have to go through. So, so, so much, so much Ooh, more. It's a little exhausting, but we're going to get there. We're, we're going to get, get there. there. Yeah. We're going to get there and more bonus stuff to come. Yep. So uh, we'll be back soon uh, with the next episode. Um, Ed and I are thinking well of all of you. We hope everyone is safe and healthy and well. And, and yes, for sure. There. And uh, thanks for reaching out. Uh, those of you that have, and we love you. We do. We love you guys. We really do. We Appreciate really do. You. We really do. So uh, We'll be back uh, next week. Until then we say, may you live to see the, Love you guys. Uh, See you. Bye. 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 Bye.